We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports Podcast, where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Ted Lasso season has ended, so naturally we are still talking about Ted Lasso because we are not ready to let it go. My guest today, the fantastic Chad Finn, uh, columnist at the Boston Globe, if you have been listening to this podcast for a while or at least listening to our Ted Lasso recaps for a while. Chad joined us way back in season two. We did kind of a check-in, uh, me and me and Chad maintain a correspondence, talk about the show. So wanted to get his thoughts on it. A guy who uh, one just has generally good disposition, good takes on, on Ted Lasso and also watched it with his entire family. And I think with some of the themes from this season, I thought that was, that was really important. So I uh, was able to talk to Chad. We will have a, a season three retrospective episode coming up here soon. Don't have the exact date, but uh, that will happen. Before we dive into today, I want to shout out our Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially a new patron. He's a Big Chill producer-level patron. That is Jeff Estes. He joins our other Big Chill producer-level patrons. That includes Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Drees, Chris Mykoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Hurst, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBoe, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkleman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Jim Scroggs, Andrew Teagle, Real Juan Balagoon, and, of course, Classic Stadium Fire, along with our new guy, Jeff Estes. Big thanks to them. And all of our patrons for supporting this show. That that list is getting longer and longer, and that warms my heart. Uh, just a huge thanks to everyone who followed along with us and and passed on kind words for the Ted Lasso recap. Um, I, I'm gonna miss the show, but it was great just connecting with people on on this show. And I think this show brought a lot of people together, including me and Chad. Uh, it's why this episode is happening. I think this is the it, Ted Lasso was the first reason that that we started uh, communicating over Twitter. So I'm thrilled to have him on, thrilled to have another reason to talk Ted Lasso. Um, you know, we'll get at least at least one more episode out of uh, out of this season, and then we will get back to the business of, of movies and sports movies. So uh, with that, let's talk to Chad Finn. All right, returning to big screen sports for another Ted Lasso check-in. Two years later, uh, somehow, it's, it's, it's flown by. He's a columnist for the Boston Globe, Chad Finn. Chad, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back, Kyle. It uh, has been a while. I was trying to remember 
what the uh, what the topic of the last time I was on was. I couldn't remember. But uh, it was a. Uh, it, I think it was just a Ted Lasso. It was a mid season two check in. We were oh, checking okay. on the, the vibes of season two. So a lot has happened since. Yeah, I couldn't remember if there's like a movie we were talking about too, a sports movie or something like that. But uh, it's good to be back, even though it's uh, it's over in a blur here with Ted Lasso. I know it. It uh, it after the long wait for season three, it went by very quickly. I will say before we get into it, you you recently helped author a book. I would like you to tell the folks about it. Yes, is this the uh, promotional part of the podcast? This is the promotional <laughs> part. This is the plugs. Have the plugs ready. Yeah, so we, uh, I was the editor of the Boston Globe story of the Red Sox, which is a, a book the Globe should have done a long time ago, frankly. It's a compilation of all their baseball coverage through the years. So it's uh, it's Peter Gammons' stuff from the 70s and uh, you know all these famous writers, Lee Modville, uh, Will McDonough covered some Red Sox stuff in the 60s and the, the, the Impossible Dream 67 season. So it's the best writing from the Globe through the – Red Sox entire history. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people know this, but the Globe's actually been around longer than the Red Sox have by about 40 years. So uh, we covered them from the beginning. I wasn't there at the beginning, but we covered them from the beginning. I say we. And uh, every story topic I looked for for the book, uh, we found Jackie Robinson workout at Fenway and Sham workout in 1945, Babe Ruth stuff, whatever. It's all in the book. And uh, it was an absolute privilege to put it together. And I'm getting a lot of credit for other people's work here as the, <laughs> as the book uh, you know, makes its way uh, around the uh, bookstores of America. And I, I want to plug the episode you did on uh, two two writers slinging Yang with Jeff Perlman, where you you go just you both went really in depth to putting the book together and going through all the writing, like especially like the Gammons writing and stuff. That uh, it was an episode I really enjoyed. Um, it sounds like an an awesome awesome project. Uh, so everyone uh, everyone go check that out. Va- available where books are sold. Where uh, books are sold? Yes, yeah. Amazon always has good deals on it too. But we favor the. Uh the independent bookstores. Yeah. Uh, bookshop.org will, uh, will buy from a, a local independent bookseller. Um, but we are here, Chad, to talk about, like you said, uh, Ted Lasso has come and gone in a flash for now. I, I will say, um, just right off the bat, kind of your gut reaction. Did, did we get all the, the was the plane fully on the ground? Did they, did they <laughs> land the plane completely? Two wheels on a plane, right? Is that right? They got they got both of them down. Uh, it, yeah, I think they did. I mean, I've heard what you and Alex and Nicole and you know Golik and other people you've had on uh, talked about the the strengths and weaknesses of the season. I, I tend to agree with uh, pretty much all of you. Um, you no, know, there are things I thought that there were voids. Uh, I don't think the the players uh, would have forgiven Nate as quickly as they did, given what he did to Ted. Uh, revealing private information about, uh, you know, his uh, emotional health that um, I think it would take a lot of people a long time to overcome somebody doing that and welcoming them, welcoming them back into their lives. Um, I would have liked to see Nate and Rupert's falling out. I feel like as viewers, we were uh, uh, deserving of that a little bit and it was kind of glossed over, but in general, I thought it was extraordinary, just like it always was, and made you feel really good about things, made you feel um, good about the world in a way, that there are people 
like that out there that you know, even though this is a fictional show, that there are, there are good people in the world who care about others and uh, try to rise them, you know, lift them up. So uh, I thought they landed. I I probably give the last season a, a B plus just because the standard was set so high in the previous years. Yeah, and I think it's been it's been like a week now since I did the maybe even less uh, since we recorded the finale episode, and I think a lot of that episode. Uh, not a lot of it, but some of it was certainly spent talking about the things that, that you just said, like the stuff we didn't get to see. Um, you know, I, I was somewhat critical of like not getting to see a lot of Ted's farewell conversations. Um, you know, the, the stuff yeah, we missed that's out another on. another good one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but one of the, I mean, the, the struggle with the show that is going to wrap a, a quote-unquote final season, because we'll kind of touch on what we think could, you know, could come down the road, but at least like, final season with with Ted is is just delivering satisfaction and I think that's a problem like that's where I think Game of Thrones messed up completely with so many characters um lost which we were we were talking about just before we recorded I I think that kind of misfired a little bit I I I feel like we got a lot of that with most of the character arcs like are are you know wh- what what arcs do you think like do you did you leave season three episode 12 feel, feeling really good about because like we're not always going to see like parks and rec where we see kind of everything that's going to happen to these people but as far as leaving them on a runway for success or six feet under when you see how they all die i'm <laughs> glad they didn't end it that way <laughs> that would have that been um, yeah, an unexpectedly grim ending uh, most of them, I think they they really landed. Uh, you know, you have to suspend some disbelief for Rebecca running into the uh, the the uh, houseboat guy at the airport. But sure, yeah, literally I'll, I'll, the Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman. Yeah, my kids kids love that one. Um, I mean, you have to do that with every TV show to some degree, right? So I, I didn't really have a problem with it, even though it kind of makes you raise an eyebrow a little bit with the way it happened. But uh, I thought. The most interesting arc uh, on the show from beginning to end, episode one, season one to to the the end here was Jamie's. And that was really fulfilling to see a guy go from being the villain at the beginning and jerk and entitled, spoiled brat, whatever you want to call him, to being this um, really self-aware person who uh you know seem reconciling with his dad at the montage at the end and of all the story arcs all the character development over the course of the show show i think his was the most rewarding and um really hope phil dunster gets some emmy nods here um because he was the overlooked guy in season one i think uh jeremy strong nick muhammad brett goldstein everybody got a supporting actor nod except for him and feels like he was the guy who was kind of uh, going uphill with that stuff a little bit and he was phenomenal on the show particularly this season and uh I, to me that was the uh, the jamie storyline was uh, ended up being my favorite i would agree and i i got uh not called out but uh, one of our beloved patrons kind of noted that in you know i <laughs> made a lot of remarks about jamie being completely irredeemable which um a prick is was, that what you said yeah hand up i was wrong <laughs> I, I was wrong <laughs> found myself loving Jamie Tart. Uh, you know, uh, an arc that we it, weirdly we didn't spend as much time on it in the finale episode that I thought 
was really satisfying, but not in like the wholesome Ted Lasso way was I actually thought Rupert's comeuppance was everything I could have hoped for because it's kind of the the thing with these these billionaires that we've seen own sports teams that in a lot of ways they are just untouchable. Their money allows them to get through life without real problems. And it's the only thing that can really harm them is public shame and, and taking away the things that they love. Like, yes, Dan Snyder made out like a bandit <laughs> with this deal financially, but Dan Snyder loved being the owner of the Washington professional football team and is now shamed forever for being the worst owner of the Washington professional football team. And that's what Rupert leaving the field, his once beloved franchise calling him a wanker. He is seemingly headed into having to sell being forced out of selling West Ham headed into a life of shame for a man who can't feel that much shame. That's about as sweet a conclusion as I think we could have gotten from that guy. Yeah. Cause they set up how important the, the team was to him uh, in in a lifelong sense, not just uh, you know the monster Darth Vader Palpatine figure that he clearly became, uh, at least in terms of wardrobe and office decoration this season. Uh, but they they humanized him a little bit before they brought him down. He was always kind of not a cartoon figure because nobody on the show is a cartoon figure, but um, just a. Uh, a, a bad guy in every sense and uh, a, a true villain and really the only one on the show. And uh, they humanized him with the, you know, the final scenes with Rebecca and the premier league stuff and, you know, her really explaining her uh, knowledge of who he was and what he came from and what he cared about when he was a normal, actual feeling human being rather than this, uh, you know, monster mogul that he became. Uh, so when there were consequences in the last episode, they hit a little bit harder. And I thought there was a really good way of handling it, although I had a hard time sometimes with the show reconciling uh, that, you know, he went down for uh, uh, sexual harassment and the uh, the issues with, um, you know, his employees. And you, you had the Sam Rebecca storyline for a while, which uh, theoretically could have gone the same way for her if, uh, you know, if circumstances been just a little bit different so i i think there were some inconsistencies with the writing but in terms of the whole arc with rupert uh it was uh it was justified and uh, i think kind of fulfilling in the end to see him get his comeuppance i agree i i i think i made i made my feelings very clear that i wanted to see the world his world crumble uh under from under him because i i he was just reprehensible that the actor uh anthony had i believe did was great great villain like it takes all i know him from is like uh 80s uh, coffee commercials <laughs> he, i've never seen him in anything else but he had like this arc of weird uh it was maxwell house or something um but that's the only time i've ever seen him before uh, has he been in other things because he's great he's a terrific actor um people have pointed him out he th this to me this was the the first time i saw it. that's that's where like this show was such a fun revelation the first time i saw so many of these people like I I didn't really uh, I I couldn't have picked Hannah Waddingham out of a crowd even though she wasn't you know had a notable role no. in Game of Thrones but like to see her thrive like this um, Jeremy Strong as Higgins just everyone in general I mean I think I would say the biggest revelation was probably Brett Goldstein yeah um, just from yeah. from the get go like he's in incredible and and I mean to to talk on that 
I mean, where where were you with? Well, we'll talk about some of the pairings. I I made my feelings clear. I kind of wanted you know Roy Keeley Endgame. We didn't quite get that. We got kind of uh, <laughs> the exact opposite of that, really. I mean, where where were you on that that relationship? Because I I think the Keeley storyline too was one that, admittedly, I think they they struggled with big time to figure out what's the what's the road for her. Yeah, I mean, her storyline this year was basically like if Cheers in his last season had sent Frazier out to Seattle already, and you were you were checking in on his radio show periodically before you're coming back to the bar. Um, it just, she felt too detached. And the great thing about her in the early seasons was you could see how confident she was and how much, um, how much Keely kind of uh, brightened the the mood and the lives of the people around her. She was just somebody, how she treated Nate, like in season one, um, uh, and, and and the way she sort of elevated everybody around here with her personality. Well, you didn't have her interacting with those people anymore. And I, I'm sure it was an extremely difficult thing for the writers to try to navigate. But I do wish they had brought her back in a little bit sooner than they did. I don't know how much of the there was some storylines this year that I don't know if they needed to exist uh, or. At least I wish they were a little bit shorter. The Jack storyline with her mm-hmm. probably could have been condensed more. And I, I still don't know what the hell Zava was doing there. Me other either. than that they, they wanted like an Aaron Rodgers parallel for, for four episodes or something. But um, yeah, it just felt like at times they, they weren't quite sure what to do with the characters before they knew what they were doing at the end when they landed the uh, plane, as we say. Yeah, there and there, I think there were some rewrites and, and things like that. And I'm sure at some point it'll come out what was what was planned, what wasn't planned. Um, well, Bill and, Lawrence wasn't there, right? And and Brett Goldstein was he around at all in terms of the writing aspect? Because I know they were both very involved with shrinking. Yeah, I, I think the the Bill Lawrence thing was the big. Um, yeah, because which shrinking was wonderful. Loved loved shrinking. I'm very glad that Bill Lawrence spent spent his time doing shrinking, but it it did seem in that regard, a little bit more discombobulated than the other seasons because the season two with the, the extension to 12 episodes doing, they, they just did, you know, the, um, like the, the, the standalone one offs, the one offs. Yeah. yeah, Which the Christmas episode will now be a Christmas tradition for me and my house forever. And then I like beard after hours more than some people like beard after hours, but I loved it too. Yeah. I enjoyed I it. I enjoyed it. And we got, we got the payoff in the, in the montage at Beard's wedding with the, the couple there with there with their baby. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Zava thing and the, the Keely, especially Keely and Jack was, was more, although I am, I was into Zava for one of those episodes. I was kind of like, I, I thought it was a fun, I thought it was a fun plot device. I was just a little bewildered when it just kind of went away, saved the massive avocado at, um, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the end of the end of, of, um, the season, I will say, and this is, a this is something that I think I kind of harped on, or at least talked about a lot. The, um, I thought this was the best sports movie of the, of the seasons. I thought the, the sports action, particularly the, the game against Man City with, with Jamie, this, this final game, uh, against West Ham, I thought it was the best sports movie we can give it a montage when when zava comes through like what what did you you know someone who likes sports movies what did you think about how they handled the on field because i thought that might have been where this season did did the best yeah definitely um 
it seemed like all these guys were really competent athletes. Like there wasn't somebody who you saw out there and said, I'm not sure he's played soccer beyond sixth grade, you know, whatever they call sixth grade in England is. But um, yeah, you could see that some of them were really skilled, like uh, Christoph Fernandez uh, played at a very high level. And, and uh, I think it was wise to have him involved with a lot of the on-field action because it just popped. Um, I bought Zorro as a goalie or Zorro at the end as a goalie for sure. Uh, uh, Phil, Phil Dunster clearly was a, a terrific soccer player and kind of looked the part. Um, so I thought it was all all really uh, probably at its best this season, whereas, uh, you know, in early seasons it was fine. But, um, you know, you probably didn't see as much of it as you did this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were certainly more bought into how the team was doing. There was that early emphasis where Rebecca was kind of losing her mind a little bit. It's it's funny that feels so long ago, um, where there was that where she was so intense towards Ted about winning, beating Rupert. But we certainly saw more matches. We we're a little more invested. Um, you know, I would say three big matches in the season, which usually had only been one or two. We we hadn't really cared about many of them. Um, like I think even in season one and make Rebecca great again, the besides the finale, the biggest episode is when they go to Liverpool and we the biggest match and we don't actually see it. They Nate crash through the door. Exactly. Yeah. Nate gives his speech <laughs> and then they come back and they and they've won. So it's interesting how it took on more of that that sports movie aspect, which I liked. That's my favorite episode, I think, of the whole show. Make Rebecca great again. Yeah. It's yeah, all timer. Definitely the most rewatched one in this house. All timer. Well, that that you're doing my uh my my transitions for me. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on <laughs> is is this was a full family experience for you. Like my son is nine. He, we're we're a little ways away from from turning on Ted Lasso. You watch this with your wife, your children. This show is about fathers and children mothers and children it's a you know it ends with a very like poignant father returning home to be with his son which there's mm-hmm. a segment of the internet that is not happy about that ending and in just your experience watching this show a show that is so much about just how to how to communicate with people and how like sometimes how to just communicate with your children like what what was sharing that experience like over i guess the last 3 years especially since you 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 had a child graduate from high school in that time you know leave the nest yeah yeah my daughter's going to be a sophomore in college next year uh, you know what this show did Kyle more than anything else it, it broke my wife of the rule that the kids aren't allowed to watch shows with f bombs in them <laughs> <laughs> because it was such a great show and so funny and had a, such a, I hate talking about it in past tense, such a, um, you know, good message uh, that that's applicable to about any age, um, you know, about caring about others and um, uh, being humble and, and just, uh, you know, be a goldfish. I mean, my daughter played high school sports and that was uh, her high, her, basketball coach's message there last year if you make a mistake forget about it for uh, 10 seconds after it happens I mean probably 5,000 high school coaches in the country took that same thing away from Ted Lasso so uh, and maybe even some pro coaches so um, it's incredible family viewing experience even though uh, uh, you, you uh, Brett Goldstein and uh, uh, you know, Roy's uh, language may have not been acceptable for younger kids at a certain point. It now is in, in this household. Uh, my, my kids are allowed to watch Succession and everything else. So that was the, the big breakthrough here. But it was just um, 
incredible family show because uh, just so many good lessons there that were applicable to the way you treat people. Did it ever make you regret not taking a job overseas, uh, missing (laughs) nine plus months of your, your children's life every year? Hell no. It made me want to the, the set that they had over there. It just looked like the most gorgeous place in the world. And it did. It did. um, Not, I've been there once. Have you ever been to London? I've never been to London. Yeah, I bet I went once. I covered the Olympics in 2012 for the Globe. So I was there 23 days. And um, this more than anything else, the show reminded me of of that. I mean, it was uh, it wasn't like the experience that I had there because it was, you know, the Olympics. It's chaos. You're on buses all the time and uh, going from one event to another if you're a reporter. But just the way London looked and the pub on every corner and uh the way the people talked which was um you know f-bomb every other word it was uh it was really true to like the experience that i had there 10 years ago for three weeks so it just it uh, beyond loving the show and loving the message of the show the humor of it the sports aspect um it really made me want to go back there again we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, it seems lovely, uh, but it is something that Ted gave up for now to to return home to to Henry and to his son and something mm-hmm. that I think we all saw the show leading into that, obviously. Again, there's a demographic of Ted Lasso Twitter that did not <laughs> and, and also was not happy it was not deeming that a happy ending. When we saw Ted when the credits rolled, what what were your thoughts on where we left our man Theodore? Yeah, is uh, uh, Doctor Jake out of the picture there yet, or what? Has I, to I, be. Has I? I yeah. think the how he was behaving during the the last soccer match was pretty obvious. Like this guy is this guy sucks. That guy is a man. He <laughs> is if, if not for Rupert, he's the villain of the season. He stinks. Another guy taking advantage of his workplace situation, right? Oh, for but, sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was um I mean, obviously uh yeah, they were having troubles before that, uh when uh, the family came to visit Ted in in Richmond and uh, you know, when they left and hit Ted's uh Ted's wife or whatever we call her now, um, didn't really acknowledge Dr. Jake, when she was getting back into the car to leave, we, that was kind of the indication that something might be going wrong here and there might be an opening for Ted. And then, uh, you know, the last episode, he gets back home and she's on the doorstep and Henry comes to greet him. It certainly makes you think that they're going to get back together. Um, and 
the guy's obviously a jerk. I mean, if you behave that way during a soccer match when the the kid is so invested, uh, that tells you all you need to know about him as a, as a person, right? He's going to be thinking of himself and not not what's best for the child or what interests um, the kid. It's uh, it's just whether or not he's interested. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, I think Doctor Jacobs way out of the picture. Um, and and you know, I I, I deem where we leave Ted as, as a happy ending because, you know, yeah, he, Ted had built a great life and a great community in Kansas, but we also, we don't see, or in, in London, but we also don't see what life was like for him in Kansas. It, you know, it, you got to think that he probably has a couple friends there, like friendly, personable guy, Ted, like we see what he built in Richmond. We don't think he has that kind lifelong of lifelong friends. Exactly. He, he's still friends with the kids he grew up with. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, it meant more to Ted. Ted, anything he accomplished in Richmond, anything he did, would not have meant a whole lot if he had if he failed as a father. And I think you and that's something you and I can both speak to as as fathers of children or just in you know human beings. Like it just that's what it made the most sense for Ted. And to me, I I viewed it as that was a happy ending. When did you start thinking that he was going to go home? Because I did from the beginning. I mean, I, I thought three... I thought early on. I I didn't think. I mean, I I saw no scenario where the show ended. And I think probably in our season preview, I said this. At least I I hope I did. If not, I can go back and edit myself in saying this. But uh, <laughs> I I did not see the show ending without Ted and Henry together. I didn't see right. Ted continuing yep. on a path where he lived a continent away from his child. Cause like, I can't, we, it wasn't like Ted wasn't a good father. Like I can't imagine living that life. There's no way. No. I mean, you think back to the beginning, the reason he was there was because Michelle needed distance. So he, what it was his line. I gave her, you know, how many ever miles it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when you found that out at the, very first couple of episodes of the show immediately you have to think okay so what's his path going to be to getting back there i mean uh beyond the soccer stuff coaching the team what's going to happen in his family life that uh leads him back to kansas because at this point you know it has to happen he's not going to be away from his son and to me uh the, the biggest moment was when he revealed, you know, that his father had killed himself and the you know, beating Rupert at darts and, and that whole stretch of the show where it just confirmed, uh, it revealed to you uh, why Ted, uh, you know, why Ted was the way that he was, but also it, it confirmed that he was going to have to go home because there was no way he was going to allow his son to grow up without his dad around after uh, you know, after he had to do it after the age of 15 himself. Yeah. There was just no way they didn't end up together. Um, it, it's something like you think obviously like, uh, the pro athlete lifestyle is, is envied, but it's, it's tough to be a pro athlete parent. Um, you are on the road a lot, especially once your kids are in school, they're not coming with you at all. And like Ted was taking that to the extreme. I mean, he was barely seeing Henry. So I, I just, I saw no, no scenario where where that didn't happen, but that's that's where we leave Ted. Um, right before we started recording this, uh, Apple TV tweeted out a picture of Roy and Nate and Beard in their new Richmond, you know, pullovers. Their light blue pullovers. Uh, it says mm-hmm. smells like potential. Where where do you do you think we are seeing more Lasso or AFC Richmond content uh, in the future? 
there's no doubt about it because there's so much money in it, <laughs> right? I mean, my my feeling this season was Sadekis just decided he he didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Um, maybe for uh, for family reasons, whatever. You know, he's he's a guy whose name popped up in the tabloids before last season a lot for things that seem to be out of his control in some ways. But he's a guy um, whose kids I think also live in L.A. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ted wasn't. Would you say he was a major character this year compared to some other people? I, I, I think they underplayed him a little bit until you got to the end and saw how that conclusion with him going home was going to uh, un- yeah, uh, be laid out by the writers. But I think um, they did, too. I think this season more than ever gave me confidence that a show called AFC Richmond could could succeed. Yeah. But I think you need to get pretty much everyone back besides do you th- Vegas. Do you think that's why they had uh, Trent? change the name of he had Trent change the name of his book because it's going to be we are Richmond or something like that something like that I also think it's just yeah. true to the character it, it'd be very like I, I thought that was a very oh, yeah. thing to say like the, it wasn't about me and I, I think you know to the double meaning there like it wasn't about Ted never was like Ted it's it's almost I mean it's almost kind of meta in that they built this culture like they started with this premise this commercial the spoof commercial started with this character <laughs> and then built an entire culture around it to where it's 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 like it's like all college football programs hope that when like Alabama hopes that when Nick Saban leaves things are going to just keep on keep on turning and so it's built that way the where when Ted leaves there is still this culture of positivity and a clear succession line um you know Roy Nate Beard like that structure still there i i think if you have those three, if you if you get the coaches back, if you have Rebecca and Keeley back, and if you have a majority of the player cast, I'm sure that's where you could have an influx of new cast members and things like that. And they're going into the Champions League. They are going to acquire new players just from a financial point of view. Um, but if you get, you know, if you, you have the three coaches, if you have the two female leads, if you have Higgins, and then you, you get Phil Dunster back, you get a lot of those guys who I'm sure actors i'm sure are gonna want to come back um, yeah I, I think i think there's the the runway for success yeah no doubt i mean i i, I don't know what the percentage was of scenes that uh, you know ted was in this year but it was probably lower than the previous two seasons um i don't know if he's the most beloved character on the show either i mean yeah brett goldstein won the back-to-back uh emmys and um seemed to be the Roy was the breakout in terms of the one who was uh, talked about and quoted and um, uh, seemed to get a lot of the more, more of the magazine profiles and that sort of thing. So um, I imagine if you have him back, you have beard and you kind of have the core that you can you can either continue down the road that the route that they're going on, where it's just an extension of where they left off the season, or you can go in all sorts of directions. I know my, my daughter is wondering when Keeley comes in and, drops her plan on Rebecca's desk about having a woman's team that maybe they just, uh, they populate the cast with a bunch of, uh, a, a lot more female characters and, and go in that direction. So they have re- they have real and uh, worthwhile possibilities. I-, I think that there are a lot of directions they can go in and the people who love this show and want to see the show continue on a high level uh, will be happy with uh, what comes next. I don't know when it comes next, or what it'll be, but uh, I, I imagine it'll be pretty fulfilling if they, you know, if they do go in that direction. It sure seems like they are. I agree, and it 
the the thing that they'll have to figure out, and I'm sure they will, is like what, especially with sports content, but it, in general, a lot of these shows have had this singular like they're all the side plots going on. What's going to happen with this character? What's going to happen with this character? But what's like the plan? You know, like what it what is the what is the one that you know who's going to sit on the Iron Throne? Is Walter White going to get away with this? What is Ted, you know, can Ted Lasso lead Richmond to victory? What is going to happen to Ted Lasso? So there's that question about what do we need to care about the most that they need to answer? And I, do you have any idea what that, you know, do we care that much about Richmond has still never gotten a trophy? Is that the thing? Or is there another kind of golden goose that, that they can find? Or does it turn into something with less stake? Doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't have this overarching destination. Well, did you want them to win in the end? Because I felt like the way they handled it was perfect, where they win their last match, but you know, something off screen uh, keeps them from winning the championship. So you still have that as a possibility for a storyline down the road. Um, I kind of felt like it would have been super cliched if they just uh, if they win on a G- Jamie goal and um, everybody's celebrating and that's that for the soccer. So yeah, uh, I, I I think they they handled that aspect of it perfectly. But uh, to me going forward, it's more about the the personalities and the dynamics between the characters than it is about whether they have soccer success and thrive in the premier league or get that ultimate, uh, you know, ultimate championship that they've been chasing or uh, probably not going to do a relegation storyline again, mm-hmm. but uh, it, the, the far more interesting aspect of the direct, whatever direction the show goes in is what uh, relationships they choose to emphasize and what, you know, whether there's uh, a core one or two characters that are uh, considered the stars, um, you know, rather than the sort of ensemble behind Sudeikis that they had uh, at the beginning of Ted Lasso. Yeah, and one of the one of the fans I noticed this on rewatch says, you know, if they win, what is there to cheer for? What do we do with our lives? You know, that that sort of thing. And they kind of having them come in second does leave the door open for they're still important. I mean, listen, you cover a team that had a you know nearly hundred year curse, and it, <laughs> it, it was broken. Like I've I will say I've found the Red Sox less interesting since two thousand four, um, especially because the got all those titles after it like y'all have in boston in general just because like i i don't know what it feels like to have any of the last time one of my tw- teams won a championship i was in diapers so i don't i don't know what it feels <laughs> like to to not have that that thing hanging over so i feel like for the story it's probably good moving forward that they still have not won anything no, I remember here back in 2004 when the Red Sox won, there was a prominent Boston media member uh, uh, on television who said, be careful what you wish for because your your uh, self-image of what this team is and what you are as a Red Sox fan is going to change. And I, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it's totally true as it turned out. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing because you uh, it, after the Red Sox lost in 03 to the Yankees, um, you felt like they were never going to win the way they lost with a really likable team and with, uh, you know, losing game seven. Uh, If that team couldn't get over the hump, no Red Sox team would. They did in 04, and it did change things. I mean, they won four World Series since 04. uh, uh, Yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed that they've won quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's been a few here in Boston uh, in general. But, 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it does change certainly that perception and how you view the team yourself as a fan as well. And uh, you know maybe it probably is best with AFC Richmond to to hold that card uh, going forward that they still haven't won. Yeah, well, I I think we've. I certainly don't think we've seen the last of them um, at the very least. Give us like another one hour special or something. I'd be into, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I agree. I think they landed the plane. I'm, I'm happy with it. Chad, I'm happy you returned to the show and Ed, you know, not to, we will have, we we've kicked around a, a movie idea for down the road that I am beyond excited for. So you will be back sooner than, than Ted Lasso season four but uh tell the folks where they can check you out and again you know plug your book yep boston uh bostonglobe.com boston.com I, I write uh three four five times a week there and then currently uh promoting our uh, red sox book which came out in april uh boston globe story of the red sox uh, all the great stories uh the globe wrote about players and teams and many many championships the last 20 years <laughs> um, and uh, that's available anywhere you look and uh, diving into a Celtics version of that as well. So we're just getting started on that. So pretty busy and pretty lucky because uh, I love my job. Just so many Boston championships to cover. So little time. Uh, what a, I haven't even what mentioned a, the Patriots. I mean, I know. come on. What a, what a tough problem to have. Um, (laughs) if, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast next week, we will be kind of putting a bow on Ted Lasso content for now doing a kind of a series retrospective, getting the band together for that one. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the planet premier league podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.